We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And now... The third guy was Brian Barrett. He was good. Streaming everywhere on the Odyssey app. Other sports shows can't compare it. And that's this is the Brian Barrett Show. How about this juicy nugget? I think music is obnoxious. It's too loud. On Boston Sports Original. The way this works is you say something, I say something, you say something. That's how it works. You can't just keep talking. W-E-E-I. I'm feeling frisky now. I'm feeling very excited. All right, welcome back in. We're with you all the way up until midnight after the Red Sox make a couple of moves at the deadline yesterday tampering situation with the Miami Dolphins. All that on the table at 617-779-7937. Let me just be abundantly clear about the Heim Bloom situation real quickly, okay? My issue with Heim Bloom is that these moves that he makes, he never helps the big league team. That's my biggest issue with Heim Bloom is, okay, I can get around, if you're not going to sign Andrew Pendendendi long-term, trade him. But when you do something like that, there has to be a move that helps the big league club in the time that Benintendi's gone, right? I mean, I think about it over the past two seasons when Benintendi was with Kansas City. Now he's with the Yankees, which is a bad look for Bloom. <laughs> After his guy, Franchi made three errors at first base last week. You lose a game that way. Who is part of the trade? When Kowski has not been good, those are the two guys you got for Andrew Benintendi. Now, De La Rosa is supposed to be the jewel of it, but the kid's 20 years old. So that's great that you got that guy, but one of those guys you traded for, Franchi or Winkowski, had to be good for the big league club. They haven't been that. And with the Mookie Betts trade, my issue with that is, and I know you attached the David Price contract onto that, you didn't get any big league contributors, and it doesn't look like you're going to get anything outside Alex Verdugo, who, like I said, is what? The sixth best player on the Red Sox? And who's he better than on the team? He's not better than Devers. He's not better than Bogarts. He's not better than J.D. Martinez. He's not better than Trevor Story. So at best, he's the fifth best player. Kike Hernandez, when he's healthy, so... When you look at it, that's the guy you got for Mookie Betts, and it looks like that's all you got for Mookie Betts. Now, we'll see about Connor Wong, but he's a 26-year-old catcher. If he was really good, he would already have a job, and they would have already moved on from Christian Vasquez prior to the season. I think that's an indictment on Bloom as well. Jeter Downs ain't close to a major league player right now. We saw that. I mean, he struck out more than 50% of the time. And then I look at the Renfro trade. I'm not mad at the Renfro trade in a vacuum. I've been over this. The thing that aggravates me about the Renfro thing is you didn't get a legitimate major league outfielder that was going to play every day. So you want to buy a couple of prospects and take on Jackie's contract. That's fine. And I like having Jackie Bradley Jr. here as an outfielder that can play every couple of days, not play every day because you know he's going to be outstanding defensively. I'm fine with that. But there needed to be another move. That's the problem with me with Bloom. He's always looking at what's in the best interest of the long-term future of the organization. 
And I understand that's like in his ethos from Tampa Bay, but you also have to do stuff for the big league club. And I think that's why you see all these players on the Red Sox speaking out about it because they feel like this guy, and there was a quote from Pete Abraham the other day, he's concerned about the 2024 Red Sox. Well, based on the moves that he makes, how can you argue to the contrary? He is more concerned about that group than he is concerned about the team right now. And I think what really looks bad for Bloom is this is a group that won a World Series in 2018, and it's a group that is very talented and could have made a run if you legitimately put together the proper pieces. Like, I don't know, not signing Jake Walkman and signing a better reliever. And the issue, too, is when you let Schwarber and you let Renfro go, the issue is you didn't really replace that pop. So if you look at Schwarber and Renfro, those two guys combined have more home runs than the Red Sox first baseman, DH, and outfield combined. So the problem was you didn't address that thing head on. And the other thing that just irritates you about the Schwarber situation, how did Bloom not see this? With Schwarber, pre-Schwarber trade, or I should say pre-Schwarber debut, the Red Sox were 24th in walk rate. Post-Schwarber debut, third. This year, Red Sox, 24th in walk rate. How did they miss that? Schwarber was so good in front of Devers because he took so many pitches. He doesn't swing at anything out of the zone. He had a 20% walk rate with the Red Sox. He spit on everything. I don't know how they didn't value that type of commodity. 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to John. He's at a car tonight. John, what's up, man? Brian Barrett. Hey, you know what? You know what I've loved during the uh, Brian Barrett like takes over WEI during the month of July? You Actually, I should say you and... Uh, you and Mutt have taken over WEI during this month, uh, the past month, with everybody taking vacation. I love when you come on to a show and you just bust open everybody's uh, hot takes with actual facts. So somebody has, like, the hot take of the, of the minute, and then Brian Barrett comes in and it's like, no, this is actually static. You, you're wrong, and here's why, here's why I'm right. I, that's been my favorite thing. In <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Appreciate that. Hey, uh, one quick thing before I get to my high and bloom stuff. I, you know, I think Alex Cora is a fantastic manager. But, man, now that he has Tommy Pham, and I get that yesterday was the first game that he was playing as the Red Sox, but now that you get Tommy Pham, late inning, late games when you have the lead, Nikhil uh, Duran needs to come out of center field, <laughs> and the best center fielder on the team needs to play center field. Like, that. Uh, that's the only thing that I got that I'm yeah that, that I didn't really know John I didn't know why he didn't do that in the eighth inning last night after Duran had had that at bat why he didn't go to Jackie there because I mean Duran is such a liability out there I didn't understand that either I hope that changes yeah. it. quite frankly John I don't know why I guess they like Duran in the leadoff spot but I don't know why he made the announcement that the outfield every day was going to be Fam Verdugo and Duran, I'm fine with him saying that about Fam and Verdugo. We knew Verdugo was going to play every day. I guess Fam, it's newsworthy because right. he came over. But why is Duran automatically in the game every day? I don't uh, get that. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't get it either. You, you, me, and Lou, I think are on the same page on that one. Hey, you know, for the past uh, over the the past 24 hours, I've really kind of shifted here on uh, Bloom and his moves here for the the first baseman and Hosmer. You know, at first I was like really excited because for the first time in two years we finally had somebody who actually played first base that wasn't, you know, the dead corpse that is Travis Shaw. Uh, so I was really excited. But then when I thought more about it and looked more into it, I, I'm not as excited about the move that Haim made because this completely fell in his lap. Right. I mean, no, it, does look, it does look great because we're getting him essentially for free. But the other side of that is the Padres are saving five million. 
while they're paying four, $40 million to the Red Sox to pay for him, they're still saving $5 million a year towards their competitive balance tax on, on, his, uh, on his deal. So it, this was like behooved the Padres to find a trade partner. They were like, we've got to get rid of him to save money. And they did. So this wasn't really like Bloom swooping in and all of a sudden he found this guy. It was like, no, the Padres absolutely had to get rid of him to save money. Well, and you know what aggravates me, that John? You know what aggravates me about that thing? is So this has been a bad situation at first base for a year and a half now. And it took Heim Bloom to actually get a major league first baseman. And look, Hosmer's not having a great season. I went through that a little bit earlier. I'll get into him in greater detail as the night goes on. But the problem for me is just the fact that it took the Padres needing to get off the contract. You basically have to give up nothing because obviously Bloom doesn't believe in Jay Groom anymore. That's what it took for you to actually get a real first baseman. It took you all that, and, and Cass is getting injured. And it took, like, Soto, the biggest trade in the entire league right. to, like, almost fall through. Well, not really almost fall through, but, like, get hold up for five minutes. Like, that had to happen as well. I mean... Yeah, all that stuff that went into what, like, why we got Hosmer, like, doesn't doesn't impress me, and it's just more, you know, yeah, I'm 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 done with them. I know Mutt wants to give him a little bit more time, but I'm yeah, I'm I'm over it. Like, there's no plan to this. We've talked about we've talked about all the issues in the off season coming into this this thing, and what he was completely unprepared, and the team, you know. Shows well, it now. And you know what's weird about him, John, is like, okay, so he doesn't want to give up certain things because he doesn't want to be perceived like he's losing a trade. But then all the guys that he trades away, like of major league talent, he loses all those trades. He lost the Benintendi trade. He lost the Mookie trade. Like the Mookie trade's not even close, as we all know. And the Benintendi trade, I guess we're going to have to wait for De La Rosa, who is like 13 years old right now, to find out what that kid is. So huh. he doesn't want to give anything up, yet he screws up all the trades he makes. My God, it's like the the uh, the Bruins of the, uh, the the late 1990s were trading like uh, Joe Juno and like this person getting traded for this person, and then it's like, oh yeah, hey, we finally, yeah, it's it's so unbelievably frustrating that we just can't get people who play actual positions to play the positions that they play when they're on the Red Sox. Yeah, John, the one thing I'll say, so, the one thing I am happy with is that the players in Cora, I believe they pressured Heim Bloom into not doing anything from a PR perspective in, tra- in terms of trading J.D. Aaron 8. The one thing I do like and I appreciate just as a fan of those guys and this team is they get to go out one more time and try to do it. I like that they actually have an opportunity absolutely. here. You know what? Because with all this being said, I still think that if they make the playoffs, there's absolutely a chance in short series that this team can like put something together because they've showed it before. I don't think they'll go all the way, right. but they can certainly be competitive, which is at least what we want. Like That's all we want at this point with this team. Yeah, appreciate the call, John. Good stuff. And that's my thing is like none of these managers want to see Cora in the postseason. And even if the team isn't as talented, definitely isn't as deep as some of these other teams, I'm taking my chances. I'm taking my chances with Cora in the postseason. Now, a lot is going to depend on what we see from a couple of these starters over the next couple of weeks. Crawford, he has been an absolute stud for this team he's shoving. Nate had a really good outing against Houston. Now, he sort of changed up his pitch usage. He's thrown way more splitters than he was earlier in the season, about 26% compared to over his last two outings, compared to about 18%. So it's a major adjustment for Nate because of the velocities down. We'll see if he can continue to do it that way. And then Pavetta, that's the big one to me. Pavetta has got to get his season back on track. He has been downright awful for more than a month now. Oh, boy. He's here. Let's get to him. 
David in Florida is in the building. David, how are you? Good evening, Brian. Hey, what are you in a car? Trying to call. Uh, I am. How about that? Yeah, just be careful. Well, I'm just in a parking lot, so I'll be all right. Thanks for your your consideration. Okay, what's on your Uh, mind? No, if Chaim gets at best a D for what he's done this year, he absolutely and like you just like you were saying earlier in the show, for him to to bow down and placate the players who are underneath him is just horrific. I mean, it's like a substitute teacher type thing, and. It's, I mean, the players play for you. You don't. I mean, yeah. You, I mean, yeah. To a degree, you have to be considerate of the players, and you have to be sensitive. But you don't bow to their every whim, and and that's what it seemed like he did. Uh, so you would have sold. You would have sold, David. Is your point? I said that before. Yes. Um, if they make the playoffs, it, 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 it's disgraceful. I mean, they're a very flawed team. If they and, make the playoffs, I mean, they're disgraceful. I mean, they'll be, would you be happy with them? If yes, they, I'd be happy if they get in the playoffs, David. I'd be happy if they get in the playoffs. Yes, I want if, them to go to the playoffs. Win, if they win 85 or 86 games this year, and they and they happen to to to, to um, just get hot like they did last year and win the World Series, would they be deserving? Would they be deserving of um of a of a parade? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So if they win the World Series, they shouldn't get a parade. No, it'd be a fluke. They'd be, I mean, it would be the fluke. No, they shouldn't because they're not a good team. They're not even an average team. They're a flawed team. All right, but David, think about what you're win, saying. So if they don't, I understand win, what I'm saying. If they don't, if they win the World Series, you're saying they win the World Series, they don't deserve a parade. Nope, they don't. Because right, David, it was that, David, a fluke. David, I'll tell you this, no, David. No, hold no, on, no. David. Hold on. I'll tell you this. Stop putting your hold on, down, Brian. David. Hold on. Okay. You've had a lot of bad takes. This is by far yeah, your I worst. Know. This is your worst. I know. Well, you say that why? Because I demand excellence of them. Well, it makes it's no ridiculous. Sense. I demand. It makes no sense. The point makes no there's sense. If they win, ridiculous you about it. It's ridiculous. There, there are, there's nothing ridiculous. You know, I don't it's give a horse's hiney. And when the players play well, they win. When they play, don't play well, they don't win. Okay? They are a flawed team from top to bottom. Ownership, ownership runs David, that's high. A, David, that's a fair take. But then, like, your other take makes no sense. If they win the World Series, they shouldn't have a parade. I don't, I don't understand the point. Because, because it'll just be it, it's something. All right, David, I can't do it anymore. I David, I can't. I don't know what the hell he's talking about. I mean, jeez. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven number. Yeah, that guy is out of his freaking mind tonight. It's fine if you want to say this team is flawed. I would agree with David when it comes to that. The bullpen is not nearly good enough. We've acknowledged that multiple times. Last night you were figuring out how they're going to get through that game. Now today it's not a question because you got blown out by the Astros and Bayo had to leave the game, so you just throwing the Sal Morris out there for to get one out. Caleb Ward, that guy sucks. You're putting him out of the mound. That's all you're doing tonight, but. Think about this right now. They're really short in the bullpen still. Basically, your lefty situation is Austin Davis right now. And then when Matt Strom comes back, and Strom's going to be good because he had really tailed off really in his last eight outings. So they need Strom to be good because now Strom is a major piece to this bullpen. I don't trust 
Austin Davis. He's, I mean, he's a really good opener. He's unreal in opener. Six innings, no runs. But as a reliever, you saw it last night. They brought him in for the pocket of two lefties. Alvarez hits one off the wall the opposite way, and they brought him in for Tucker, but he walked Bregman in between that. It's a real issue with Austin Davis. His walk rate is now over 10.5%. Coming into last night's game, that was 122nd out of 155 qualified relievers. It's not good enough. So the bullpen is certainly short. They don't hit for enough power. This team is certainly flawed. So I can get a agree with David when it comes to that. But to say, like, if they won the World Series, they wouldn't deserve a parade. I, I don't understand how that makes any sense. 617-779-7937, the number. We're taking you up until midnight. So if you do want to weigh in on this, did the players in Alex Cora make Heim Bloom cave at the deadline? Did Heim actually want to sell? And the pressure put on him by the players and by Alex Cora made him cave. We'll get into that plus. The tampering situation with Tom Brady and the Miami Dolphins is a joke, and people need to be more pissed about it. We'll get to it next here on EI. Crash and Keith, weekdays 10 to 2. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. All right, trending now on WEI and WEI.com. Well, the Sox fell to the Astros today, 6-1. to one. Good news is they did take two of three in that series, remember. Rich Hill banged around for three earned. New Astro Trey Mancini took him deep, a two-run blast in the second inning. Hill was atrocious in this game. Brian Bayo had to leave the game, unfortunately, with a groin injury. The Sox and the Royals play the first of a four-game set Thursday night, that game in Kansas City. It's going to be an 8-10 first pitch across the Shaw's and Star Market, WEI Red Sox Network. Shaw's and Star Market, perfecting the art of fresh. Tune in to the Visit Massachusetts pregame show at 710. That's sponsored by the Massachusetts Office of Travel and Tourism. Start your Massachusetts summer adventure at visitma.com. Nick Pavetta gets the start in that one. The NFL appealing the six-game suspension for Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson, seeking a tougher penalty for violating the league's personal conduct policy. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. There's three scenarios at every deadline, right? Buyer, seller, stand pat. And the Red Sox found a way to not do any of those. I am now convinced, and this might seem a little strong. Okay. Heim Bloom doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> I know, but I, listen, I'm not just saying that for the reaction. Did you miss something? Listen to the podcast on the Odyssey app or at WEEI.com. Crash and Keith, middays 10 to 2 on New England Sports Original. WEEI. WEEI. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. You're listening to WEEI Late Night. On WEEI. And streaming everywhere on the Odyssey app. All right, we're taking you up until midnight. I did want to mention this real briefly. A text in from the 603. 
Please, God, I hope David in Florida is not behind the wheel. <laughs> he is. I don't know what he's doing. He made no sense today. If the Red Sox win the World Series, they shouldn't have a parade. Makes a lot of sense. 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Matt. He's in a car. What's up, Matt? What's up? I just want to note that while I am driving, I am sober. No funny business there. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough, Matt. So I've, I've, yeah. So I've just about finished, I think, simmering down after uh, yesterday, and I'm sort of looking at things clear-eyed and sort of coming to terms, for better or worse, with, okay, this is what the Red Sox look like. I have one... I want to complain about Mr. Bloom briefly, but then also one small silver lining. And I want to start with a quick little preface. I think we lose the person in this a lot. Everyone involved in sports is a human being. I'm sure Heim Bloom is a very, very nice man outside of baseball. It's my understanding. He's a father. I'm sure he's a great father, great family man. I don't think he's very good at managing in this specific moment. And that sort of brings me to the other part, this specific moment. Yep. They're dealing with a ton of big injuries right now. Really. Yep. I mean, I understand. Yep. You, look at the, you look at the crew that went out there today. It was not solid. I was listening to part of the game on my way into work. I'm on my way home from it now. Mm-hmm. And that was not great. But they're dealing with some wild injuries. Chris Sale is now working his way back through an injury. Trevor Story is working his way back through an injury. Kike Hernandez is working his way back through an injury. And I think while I can't say I completely understand every single move that was or was not made at this deadline, it's important to note that what you're seeing go out there today against the Astros is not the finished product. It's not the final product. I'm not going to claim to be inside Bloom's head, but I just think it's important to note that this is not the be-all and end-all right now that's active. Yeah, I mean, they're going to get Story back at some point. They're hoping to get Kike Hernandez back. They're going to get Strom back. We'll see about the sales situation Matt, you just never know what that guy. He's got a mangled finger right now. We'll see if he's back into the equation. But, yeah, they've definitely been snake-bitten by injuries. But I want to go back to your original point about Bloom that he has not been good in this thing. You mean, like, the way they handled the trading deadline in terms of the Vasquez situation? Is that what you're pointing to? I mean, that's one, that, that is one thing that mystified me. I still have no idea what that was about. I'm, I, I'm, I'm not even going to get there. But I just think Bloom is a situational kind of manager. Depending on the context he works, he doesn't work in this context. Now, with the Tampa Bay Rays, where you didn't have the leeway to make a ton of moves, you got the smallest payroll pretty much in baseball, fine. Well, I mean, you can moneyball it there, but they're just in a situation right now where moneyballing it isn't really the greatest win-now approach, if that's what you're trying to do. Yeah, so that, look, I just, I, yeah, Matt, I appreciate the call, my friend. I don't even really mind the Christian Vasquez trade as much as everybody else was bent out of shape about it. Vasquez, if you look at the ERA with all these guys, the guys that he actually works with, it's actually worse than Ploiecki with all of them. Now, Ploiecki does throw lollipops down to second base. I acknowledge that, and Ploiecki doesn't hit whatsoever. But to Mark's original point about the injuries, I'm guessing the bet they're making is when we get Story back and we get Kike Hernandez back, we'll make up for Vasquez's offense. And remember, this is Vasquez being good for three months offensively. Vasquez was horrible offensively last year. But if you look at the ERAs with Vasquez, Evaldi, 11 games with Ploiecki, 396 ERA in 61 and a third, 21 and two thirds with Vasquez, 498. That's why I remember last year Ploiecki started the wild card game because he was essentially the personal catcher for Nate. Waka, four games, 0.40 ERA in 22 and a third with Ploiecki, nine games 
with Vasquez, 375 ERA, 48 innings. Crawford, eight games, 303 ERA in 29 and two-thirds. Eight games, 488 ERA in 24 games with Vasquez. And Pavetta barely threw to Ploiecki, and Hill is barely thrown to Ploiecki. That's why I don't reference their numbers, because it's one start for each of them. So it's really not good enough, or I should say it's not a big enough sample size to really bring that up. So I look at it and say, okay, well, Vasquez... Last year would have had no value if you tried to trade him. This year he actually did because his OPS at the time that he was traded went from 659 to 759. So it behooved the Red Sox to move on from him. You got a 28th prospect and a 29th prospect, but they're close to the major leagues, and one of them hits for real power. So we saw that today. Valdez hitting a home run the opposite way. So I understand the calculus on that trade. I truly do. My issue with the Vasquez trade is how it happened. So somebody in the front office should have been in Houston. The fact that nobody in the front office was in Houston during the trading trading deadline is unprofessional, and quite frankly, it's unacceptable. It's unbecoming of the Boston Red Sox for that crap to happen. Because Cora, he was he clarified after the game that him and Vasquez knew something was going down. Now they didn't know exactly that he was going to Houston, but they knew something was in the works. And Vasquez asked Cora, "Can I go out there and take BP?" Cora is the manager of the team. Okay, he doesn't work in the front office. He's the manager of the team. So he said, yeah, go ahead. You're part of this group. He realizes that his player is going through a difficult time. He doesn't want to be traded. So he said, yeah, go out there with your guys. But that shouldn't have happened. It was such a bad look that Vasquez finds out when he's on the field. He was running around. He ran to Bogarts. And then he's talking to Matt Barnes. And then both contingencies of the media, the Boston media and the Houston media, get to him when the Red Sox know they're trading Christian Vasquez at some point. How does that even happen? It should have never happened that way. 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Chris. He's in a car. Hey, Chris. Brian, love the show. Thank it's, you. It, it really, I mean, it's, I now understand the mechanics behind the, 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 uh, the trade here. I, I guess my question, and I know it's going to sound probably juvenile, and I apologize, but I feel like Chaim Bloom is trying to put his imprimatur or put his mark or, I mean, it, it seems there seems to be some testosterone in there when the reality is we don't need testosterone. We need someone who's going to, you know, make the, you know, grease the wheels and, and get them going in the right direction. And, and on that note, I'd, I'd like to hear your thoughts on, whether or not you think High and Bloom's ego is wrapped up in this. Thanks. Yeah, it's a fair point, Chris. So basically, if I understand his question correctly, basically he's saying, do you think that High and Bloom is trying to put his mark on the organization? I would say yeah. Because And look, he should be doing that to some extent, but I do feel like one of the things about High and Bloom is – He's put, I'm not saying he's put too much emphasis on the farm system because he never can put too much emphasis on the farm system in terms of you want to keep stacking up that group because not only do you continue to get prospects, but then you can trade those prospects for major league players. My issue with Bloom is I feel like there was a lack of attention to the big league club at times. And that's one thing that just cannot happen. You cannot have a lack of attention to the big league club, especially one of this stature. It's not like he went to a place that needed a complete rebuild. Like, hypothetically, when Theo, not hypothetically, this actually happened. I don't know why I said hypothetically. When Theo Epstein went to the Chicago Cubs, that team needed to be blown up. They needed to completely rebuild their farm system. And remember, Theo would draft Schwarber. 
He would draft Chris Bryant. He made the trade for Anthony Rizzo. So he went in there to rebuild, get young talent, etc. So you needed to do that, right? And Theo Epstein basically came out and said it. It was basically the Philadelphia 76ers process. You needed to do that because the Chicago Cubs, when Theo Epstein went there, did not have a lot of talent whatsoever. Remember, they're like number one trade piece at the deadline that year was Jeff Samarja. So they had no talent on that team whatsoever. It was not good at the major league level, and it was not good at the minor league level. And they needed a guy like Theo Epstein to come in, rebuild the farm system. And then when it got to the point where the major league team was good enough with these young players, he would go out there and he would make moves for major league players, the Jake Arrietas of the world. Remember, he signed John Lester, the guy that he drafted here. He signed John Lester. And eventually, they would win a World Series, et cetera. They were contenders for four to five years. But once it got to the point where this team was competitive enough, that that team being the Chicago Cubs, Theo Epstein went with it, adding pieces to the Major League team. This is where I don't understand the Bloom philosophy here. He came here, and the Red Sox were coming off a down 19. But I never felt like 19 was a complete overhaul of the roster was necessary, so to speak, or that they needed a complete rebuild. Quite frankly, I think that the ownership group overreacted with Dave Dombrowski being fired. Dave Dombrowski, he won the division three consecutive seasons, and then you decided to move on from him when it felt like he was neutered at the trading deadline and he wasn't allowed to make additional moves. Remember, he kept trying to tell us that, hey, nobody else has 100 miles an hour coming out of the bullpen like Nate Evaldi, and Nate Evaldi never had profiled as a reliever in the past. They tried to force him into being a reliever. It just didn't make any sense to me whatsoever, right? So when I add all these things up in terms of the High and Bloom situation compared to what Theo did, they're two totally different things. Theo needed to build stuff up. When I look at Heim Bloom, he didn't have to do that. He had Xander. He had Rafael Devers. He had J.D. Martinez. So there needed to be more of an emphasis on the big league club. And I just feel like they didn't do enough when it comes to that. And I look at all the moves he's made recently, and they all point to not helping the major league club. And I think we also have to look at this and acknowledge the fact that quite frankly, one of the things that Heim Bloom had been advertised as is you would think that, okay, Heim Bloom must be good at building up bullpens, right? That's sort of what he did in Tampa Bay. And ever really since he took over this organization, wouldn't you say the bullpens have been subpar? That's what it feels like to me. And the numbers would bear that out. If you just look at Dave Dombrowski's bullpens and you compare them to Heim Bloom's bullpens, it's not even close. And Hein Bloom, this is supposed to be the one thing he's really good at. Oh, he can find relievers. Well, I'll tell you the secret what Hein Bloom does with relievers. He just looks to see what the horizontal break is on your slider. You got good horizontal break on the slider? Come on down. But if you look at the Red Sox pen from 16 to 19, 375 ERA during the Dabrowski era. That was sixth. 448 ERA during the Bloom era, 23rd. 230 opponents batting average during the Dabrowski era, fifth. 248 in the Bloom era, 27th. Whip, 129 with Dave D, 10th. 142 with Bloom, 27th. Strikeout rate, 4th with Dombrowski, 26%. 24.7% with Bloom, 11th. You look at War, 3rd with Dave D, 19th with Heim Bloom. Meltdowns tied for the most with Bloom, 7th fewest. With Dave Dombrowski. So my point is this. What Dave Dombrowski did is he said, okay, I need a 
top-tier reliever. He actually legitimately said, I need to get a closer. So he went out and he got Craig Kimbrell. And look, we can all go over what happened in 2018 as it pertains to Kimbrell. He was not good in that postseason run. I would acknowledge that. But basically, you got one of the best closers in the game, best relief pitchers in general, for a three-year period. Because Dave Dombrowski realized, okay, I need a major league closer. And with Heim Bloom, it just feels like the guy that was supposed to be good at building bullpens, he doesn't identify the right guys. Now, once in a while, he'll hit on a guy that is under the radar, and he's referenced multiple times. He said on the Greg Hill Show a couple of weeks ago that when he was asked about the Schwarber situation and not having Schwarber here, he said it hurts him more when he misses on under-the-radar guys. So it's great that he can hit on a guy like John Schreiber. They obviously saw something in him that nobody else did because the most innings he had ever pitched at the big league level was 15 and two-thirds. So that's a great find by High and Bloom. But you need to supplement those moves on the periphery, those moves on the margins, with actual big league talent. They can't all be diamonds of the rough, right? They can't all be under-the-radar guys. And when he finally goes out and he looks for a guy that is not under the radar, it's Jake Diekman. And when you look at Jake Diekman, the problem with Diekman, and this is what I'll never understand about Heim Bloom, is it feels like, or maybe this is the answer, it felt like the signing of Walkman, Jake Walkman, was basically, well, it's a value contract right now, right? Because even though it ended up being a horrible contract, if you look at Diekman's numbers last year in Oakland, he was not particularly good. Opponent's batting average was the worst it's been in a while. His whip was the worst it's been in a while. And the contact was not good, right? The ground ball rate went way down. He was at 61.5% back in 2020, now short season, but it went to 34.8% the season after that. It was at 47.3% in 19. It was at 59.1% in 17, 47.8% in 2018. And the past couple of years, it really dipped off 34.8% last year. And now 36.5% last uh, this season before, of course, he went over to the Chicago White Sox. So what they saw in Diekman is, hey, this is a guy that he has nasty stuff. We get him here. We'll figure it out. Well, the problem was he actually got worse when the Red Sox brought him here. At the time of the trade, he had the highest walk rate of any reliever in the sport, right? So when you look at this and you look at a guy like Diekman, why was he here? Because he had a nasty slider, because he had a lot of horizontal break on the slider, and because he was going to come a little bit cheaper than a lot of these other relievers because he was coming off a bad season. So that's almost a Belichickian approach. By looking at all these guys and saying, hey, they, they aren't seeing what we see. He does that way too often. Instead of every once in a while, it's okay to just say, hey, I'm going to get a major league star. Just like Dombrowski said, I'm trading for Chris Sale. I'm trading for Craig Kimbrell. I'm going after known commodities at the major league level. And quite frankly to me, there hasn't been enough of that with High and Bloom. Even a guy like Hunter Renfro, who hit 30 bombs for the Red Sox last season, that's a guy that was not some known commodity. Now, High and Bloom had familiarity with him in Tampa, but he goes to San Diego. It's not like he was this known star. The only really known star that he signed has been Trevor Story or traded for. Like, the Schwarber situation is even different because... All you gave up was Aldo Ramirez because Schwarber was dealing with an injury at that particular point in time. So when you just add up all those pieces, it's just the emphasis on the big league club, that hasn't been priority number one. And that's what irritates me. I'm okay with them trying to rebuild everything as it pertains to the farm system, but you can do both things. Like, for example, just look at it in this way. In the offseason, what did the Red Sox do with the rotation? They signed Michael Walker 
who was hurt, and he's always hurt, and they signed Rich Hill, who is pushing 70, right? Those are the two guys they go after because those are value plays. You're not paying Waka a lot of money. You're not paying Rich Hill a lot of money. Instead of saying, well, hold on. We can get Carlos Rodon on a two-year, $40 million contract who has a high upside, was top five in strikeout rate last year for qualified starters. That makes a lot more sense for us than going after Waka and going after Rich Hill. Now, I'm not telling you Waka's been horrible. He's actually been pretty good when he's been out there, but that's the problem. He's always injured. Carlos Rodon is a guy that's, yes, he's had some injury history, but Waka over the past five seasons has not been close to the pitcher that Carlos Rodon has. And just think about this team right now with a starter like Carlos Rodon, considering all the injuries that this rotation has sort of dealt with. And that's why I keep saying the big league club is incomplete, because think about all the rookies and some of its injuries. But you shouldn't have to bring up all these rookies to pitch, especially now. Bales looked better his past couple of times out. Unfortunately, he dealt with the injury today, the groin strain. So we'll see how long Bayo is going to be out of the equation, if you will. But if you look at the Bayo situation, he was never going to come up to the big league team this year at that point. Now, maybe he comes up late in the season, but the reason he had to come up here was due to all the injuries. If you built a better starting rotation at the beginning of the season, this would not have been a problem. And the same thing can be said about the bullpen. That's sort of the, my most, or I should say, that's the thing that irritates me the most about the deadline. So basically, you were more buyers than you were sellers, but you didn't address your biggest need. Your biggest need at the trading deadline, oh, well, you did, I should say that. I take that back. You got a first baseman. That was definitely your biggest need. That was a glaring weakness. But the other big thing is you needed a bullpen arm, and you didn't come away with a bullpen arm because clearly right now you're at least half going for it with this group by not trading Nate and not trading JD, etc. So you're sort of going for it with this group. And if you were going to do that, it would have behooved the Red Sox to get a legitimate reliever. They didn't do enough in the offseason with the bullpen, and they're surely not doing enough right now. Now, maybe their hope is they can move guys around. Maybe Hill goes into the bullpen instead of being the opener for Bayo. Maybe that's what they try to figure out this way. Maybe Waka ends up being a bulk guy. Maybe Winkowski goes into the bullpen. Whatever they try to figure out. But instead of going out there and getting a proven reliever that you know is going to be good. All this other stuff you're going to try to figure out. Once in a while, it's okay to do something that other teams have done in the past. And I feel like with High and Bloom... It's always about being cute, and that doesn't always work. All right, 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett taking you up until 1 a.m. A lot more to get into. I do want to get to the Brady thing next, though, because there's two big takeaways from the tampering situation. One, are you upset with Brady in 19 that he was actually talking to the Miami Dolphins? And the other big thing is, how is Stephen Ross and the Dolphins only penalized a first and a third round pick? We'll address it all next here on EI. WEEI, WEEI, New England Sports Original. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now back to it. W-E-E-I Late Night. And streaming everywhere on the Odyssey app. 
Yeah, I'm not really worried about that. I'm just trying to have a good training camp here. Did you have any idea the Dolphins were tampering with your starting quarterback that season? Yeah, focused on training camp here. That's all in the past. All right, that was Bill Belichick when he was asked about the tampering investigation where the Dolphins were docked a first and a third round pick. First round pick in 2023 and a 2024 third round pick. So before I get into the Brady element of all this, did you see the statement that Stephen Ross released? This is a statement. As I've said all along, these allegations were false, malicious, and defamatory. With regards to tampering, I strongly disagree with the conclusions of the punishment. However, I will accept the outcome because the most important thing is there will be no distractions for our team as we begin an exciting and winning season. Well, we'll see about that. He also said the independent investigation cleared. This is the first thing he said, actually. The independent investigation cleared our organization of any issue related to tanking and all of Brian Flores' other allegations. That's the first part of his statement. Dude, what are you doing? You just realized, and look, he addressed the tampering thing, as I mentioned, but you just got caught with like a pretty severe tampering situation. And the first thing you say is the independent investigation cleared our organization of any issue related to tanking in all of Brian Flores's other allegations. Well, the problem here is that the Miami Dolphins were caught not once, not twice, but on three different occasions. In terms of tampering. So they were caught with Tom Brady with two different organizations. Not only the Patriots, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then they were also caught with the New Orleans Saints and Sean Payton. Because this whole idea of Brady, Sean Payton in Miami together was the Dolphins plan. And here's sort of the funniest thing about the whole situation. They didn't get either one. (laughs) they've been tampering for three years after Tom Brady and now after Sean Payton, they didn't get one of those guys. But I don't understand, and I get it, he got a $500,000 fine as well. I mean, that's nothing for Steven Ross. But I don't understand why there isn't more outrage over the punishment of this. So you have an owner of a team going out and recruiting a quarterback that is currently playing for another team. You have an owner of another team going out there and recruiting a coach of another team. How is this a first and a third round pick and that's it? This should be a way harsher punishment than it is. And if I was the owner, and look, I wish I was one of the owners, but if you're Robert Kraft, if you're the Glazer family, how are you no, not more pissed off about this? And I'm sure Robert Kraft is behind closed doors and all that. But you have another owner. You're supposed to be in this group together, right? When the owners negotiate, they owner they negotiate against the players. How can this be acceptable? And I get you can say, well, guys recruit each other all the time. Yeah, but this is totally different. It's not like some player saying to a different player, hey, we should go and go to this team. LeBron and Dwayne Wade, we should play in Miami one day. That's not what this is. This is the owner of a team going after a quarterback that's playing for a different team and going after a coach that's playing for a different coach. He is supposed to be partners with the Benson family, and he is supposed to be partners with the Glazer family and with Robert Kraft. And clearly he isn't any of that. 
and that to me is the biggest story out of all this situation. And we can get into the Brady angle of, in just a second. But I just can't understand why there isn't a harsher punishment for this. This crap is ridiculous. So let's just say the hypothetical is this. If you're another team now and you feel like, okay, maybe now I guess Aaron Rodgers is a bad example because he just signed his extension with the Green Bay Packers. But let's say Derek Carr. Okay, so Derek Carr got a little bit of extension, but eventually you think he's going to leave his team or he wants to leave his team or Russell Wilson wants out of Denver. Whoever it is, big time quarterback. If you're an owner of a different team and you see the punishment is a first and a third, but you think, unlike Stephen Ross, who obviously could never land Tom Brady and couldn't land Sean Payton, but if you think that you can find a way to get Russell Wilson to your team, get Matthew Stafford to your team, get one of these star-level quarterbacks out there to your team and you feel like, hey, if I recruit him, if I go talk to him, if I have some sort of connection with the player like Steven Ross and Tom Brady, both Michigan men, if you have some sort of connection with the guy or you have a previous relationship with him, hey, maybe I should just float him some notes about, hey, I want you to play for the team one day. Oh, wouldn't it be great to get you here? Why wouldn't you do that if you're another owner now? So if you get caught, the punishment is basically a first and a third. Why wouldn't you do that? I mean, this is a joke. I plead the fifth. A first and a third round pick for proof that you were recruiting Tom Brady and proof that you were recruiting Sean Payton with not one, not two, three different organizations. And by the way, like, this is a bad look for Brady. It was happening with the Patriots, and now it's happening with Tampa Bay. This is not a good look for Tom. 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Bob. He's in a car. What's up, Bobby? Hey, Brian, I got a question for you. So if there's proved tampering, why don't the Patriots get draft picks? Oh, that's interesting, Bob. So you think that, okay, so like the Saints and the Patriots and, say, Tampa Bay, they should each get a Miami pick. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they trying <laughs> to take our quarterback. I like that. And, you know, there should be some kind of penalty, right? <laughs> oh, Bob, that's a great idea. I love that. That would be better it's than just like taking away Miami's like pick. Yeah, say hey, yeah, you gotta like send. Yeah, you well, got, hasn't it? Yeah, hey, I like that, Bob. Hey, you gotta send a 2023 first rounder to Tampa, 2024 to the Patriots, and 2025 to the Saints. I like that. It's a good punishment, Bob. I know. I mean, they gotta steal some pain, and we gotta get some benefit out of it. Yeah, I mean, it's a joke. I like. This crap should not be happening. I get the tampering happens in sports all the time, but you shouldn't have the actual owner of the team and the minority owner of the team going out there and recruiting a star quarterback from another team and recruiting a coach from another team. I mean, how do you feel if you're Robert Kraft? How do you feel if you're the Benson family, the Glazer family? This guy is supposed to be in business with you and he's doing that crap? It's an absolute joke. I know, especially since we got you know screwed from all the other, you know, spy gate, deflate gate, yeah. all that stuff. We should get something back for Pete's sake. Oh, it's a good point, Bob. This is way worse. This is way worse than anything the Patriots ever, ever, ever done. And I appreciate the call, Bob. His line's open if you want to grab it at 617-779-7937. This is way worse. I mean, deflate gate. We know that that was a complete joke. But even spy gate. This to me is way worse than spy gate. A guy is getting his paychecks from a different team in Tom Brady. He's getting paid by the New England Patriots, and you're recruiting him when he's still a member of that team? It's an absolute joke. 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett taking you up until midnight. Okay, if you do want to weigh in on the trading deadline, 
that's still on the table. But I do want to get back to the Brady portion of this next. Is this a bad look for Tom Brady? And do you think any differently of Tom after hearing this over the past couple of days? We'll address it next here in EI. The front office report with High and Bloom on the Greg Hill Show. Talking socks. I mean, we've got two downs this season. Obviously, sometimes it, it wears it all, but you've probably heard it in all of our voices. And when things aren't going well, we all wear it because uh, we care a lot. But we're in this together, and that's what makes, you know, that's really the fun of the game at the end, like, is, is enjoying what you're doing with the people you're doing it with. Miss High and Bloom on the Greg Hill Show? Listen to it on demand anywhere, anytime. Download the Odyssey app. The front office report every Thursday morning at 9. Brought to you by Stoli Vodka, by Northeast Electrical, and by Timeout Market. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.